Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Let's Have a Drink, the podcast where we sit back, relax, and have a drink and talk about whatever the heck we want to. Whatever we want. This week's a really fun conversation, guys. We have ourselves a is it a rabbit hole it's a rabbit hole i'm gonna different way of doing it i it seems from what i'm getting the gist of because usually we have like a topic or a theme or a story so we do or something. we do oh, we do cool. it's just broken into a few different aspects like rabbit holes within a rabbit hole yeah like little mini well like, li- it's like it. little mini side quests side quests so Who like, doesn't well, love a good side quest? It's, I'll explain the structure when we get there. We don't want to reveal too much because we agree. also have a very important thing that we love to do in the intros. But Curtis, if there's anything else you want to add before we do it. I do. I actually have one thing I've been thinking about all day. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to give one special shout out to the person across the room from me right now. And that oh, is you. That's me? Yes. Um, I didn't mention it last week, but I did have a um, an accident of my own. Um, <laughs> I, I really, 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 really hurt my hand, uh, specifically a finger, and I was pretty out of commission for the week for last week and still kind of am um and i just want to give you a big shout out because you've helped out an immense amount and Aww, it, i don't want it to go unrecognized because um i can some days just like let it because it's just you know it, it becomes the norm and um and, and you just you've been really really great and i think nah you yeah that's oh, it that's really you. it yeah um and, you, well, and, you, and nice. you've been making you've been getting so much better with the health fresh meals they, they've been always bomb it's yeah. just it's so good and you're yeah. getting more comfortable and all the things there so and then Thanks. you did my laundry today which is just actually you yeah. didn't do it yet well i'm about to though i knew this but was gonna take a while um and so all those little things you've you've just been the best um partner to be with so Aww. thank you Thanks. um want to get that one off my chest Aww, and thank uh, you it's very sweet now we can get into the fun stuff ooh, we ooh. have a new beer to review this week as per usual actually we didn't do last week we and didn't. that's why we have a new one this week. Yeah. Uh, we have a fun one, and I would like you to get her started. Okay, so we have uh, we have a selection from Sons of Kent. Sons of Kent is um, back. So yeah, Sons of Kent is back. They are actually a brewery from the Chatham area, which is super cool. Um, okay, so we've got an Oktoberfest lo- lager. Is it Fest Beer? Fest beer, whatever fest you want. Fest beer, it's, wanna... so it's the B I E R, like yeah, German, German style. German so, but it's beer. fest beer. So, an Oktoberfest inspired lager brewed entirely with premium Bavarian malts and hops. Deep amber in color with a multi body and light hop finish. Prost. Mm. They actually say prost at the Is end. Is it Yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah, at the end of the description, it's super cool. I lo- oh, I love that. Yeah. I love Bavarian hops and malts. Um, and we Alrighty, we had yeah. a choice. We had some choices this week. I went and found a bunch of stuff, um, but we're keeping with that Oktoberfest vibe. Um, yeah, we enjoyed ourselves um, at an Oktoberfest event a few weeks ago. We've been enjoying all the new Oktoberfest type style. Well, not Oktoberfest, but just fall inspired beer. Well, we've we've I've seen a few like uh, loggers and stuff that that are Oktoberfest inspired. Um, for, for me at least. Oh yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but but yeah, we saying just, in general though. Yes, exactly. Um, so we we just kept with that vibe this week, and I think it just it's simple. Mm-hmm. Uh, we know it's going to be delicious, obviously. Absolutely. Um, and it's very festive. I love the like can design. Oh yeah, it looks Fest. super cool. It's sick. Like it's got that like uh like diamond checkered pattern with like gold like hoppy trimming and the even like the font itself for the for the lager like looks like the almost like German style like calligraphy kind of you'll see in the pictures yes. obviously when yes. we post uh for the episode day cuz you'll see it in the candid but um Super, super cool. Super cool vibes. It. it reminds me of um, so when we, when my family would get like the like the um specific, like European branded like rye bread mm. from like the deli area of mm-hmm. the supermarket. Mm-hmm. It would have different types of like patterns depending cool. on if it was like a light, a marble, or whatever. And this like diamond checkered pattern just reminds me of the, the thing on there. So nice little throwback. Cool. I like that. Um, first sips for me, very, very, very good. Um, that's just oh yeah what you what you want in a beer. I think um, a nice hop to it uh, that doesn't you know that distinguishes between your your very normal lagers. Definitely um, get more of that like caramelly palette from the like maltiness of it. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's very good. It's, it's very smooth too. Like it's not bubbling a lot. Oh yeah, no, nice. no, no, no. It's a very smooth beer. I always find that. Um, 
I'm starting to notice too that the like the heads and the froth of different beers will show up in different ways. Um, IPAs and sours are usually a lot more like uh, frothy and thick looking. For sure, um, they they take a little bit longer to to um, go down. But for things like um, ambers, ales, and like lagers, I find that they get very airy very quickly. Right. Um, so I'm seeing that here as well. It gets very like quickly bubbly rather than staying like a thicker foam right um so yeah it's just an observation i it's, made just it's now nice that i wanted to, to have like it doesn't yeah because you can sip the head with the with the beer and it it's breaks not, apart it doesn't feel like the the head of the foam is like, like over you know crowding your so mouth that's what i thing. usually wait for and that's what i was waiting for i took my first sip out of the can because um normally when i have that happen with like ipas and sours all i have is the foam the beer can't break through whereas right. this one it does yeah exactly exactly mm-hmm. i like it a lot it's, but yeah, um, it's got a beautiful amber color like they describe so. on the side of the can. Uh, really, really enjoyable. Yeah. I get to enjoy this one in the Stein too. So Yeah, I love that. Kind of Very a, on brand in, for you. Very on theme um, for this one Absolutely. To this week. And, and we were mentioning, we talked about it just before we started the episode. Sons of Kent continues to just sort of not disappoint us. Um, yeah. We've showcased a couple of their drinks before i think we've even chatted as about it in the past we the haven't had a of, lot from yeah, them yeah because we don't see it quite as often as a lot of the other like um hamilton and niagara breweries mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then obviously you have like places like cameron's and muskoka that are they're pretty popular i find mm-hmm. um that you kind of see them everywhere um but yeah so i'm always i'm always pleasantly surprised by um by a brew from sons of kent so yeah. amazing job guys definitely giving me Oktoberfest vibes Very like so. i want to you know I, just want, I could have multiple of these. This is like a really good. This sit down. generally, the way it's like still light, um, light enough on my palate that um, I could definitely see me like mound down on a sausage with some sauerkraut. Yes, and then finishing it off For with a swig sure. of this guy. Oh, For absolutely. sure, some some good. Uh, It'll definitely, I think, too, because it has that smoother kind of almost like caramelly amber, like palate. Um, that uh, it 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 kind of pairs well to like a meat with like the kind oh, of yeah. really like vinegary sauerkraut that will oh, like yeah, break that kind of flavoring definitely, up a bit. Definitely for sure. For sure. Um, yeah. So shout outs to Sons of Kent. Um, keep doing what you're doing. Absolutely. Good no complaints here, you guys. Happy uh, happy continuing to be October Oktoberfest, whatever you want, happy whatever you guys season. are up to. Um, we are going to be themed in this season and this episode. We are doing a rabbit hole, like we mentioned. Do we, we want to wait until we do the th- other thing before yes. we talk about what we're going to do? The other thing, and then I'm going to tell okay. everyone what we're doing. But I'm going to say it's very on brand for me. It's very on brand for Ryan. Um, <laughs> I'm talking so much this intro because this episode is a full on Ryan episode. It's going to be all you me. You get to listen to her beautiful Soothing voice talk. Sounds. Some ASMR level. Nah. No, us. no. Um, we literally, we watched a movie the other day. It was like a horror movie on Disney Plus. It was really creepy. And the main character does as- but, ASMR and it was not Yeah, good. so there's two clips. So like after the cold open of the movie where they start rolling like the- Because sometimes it'll be like a cold open, then it does the credits of the film. Like yeah. the, the opening where it'll list the actors and stuff. Yes. Um, um, and it just has her voiceover of her doing an ASMR video, and you can Not hear like good. the, like the like the like the mouth smacking and like noises, and then she's like whispering, and every so often like the P's and the S's will make a weird sound because it's I like those it. extra sensitive microphones for ASMR videos, and then she'll do like the. T- I don't. Well, actually, they're not extra sensitive. They just you just. Make oh. sure everything's really quiet. Oh, got you, you so that it picks up that sound better. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It just it, it always sounds. You do need a good quality mic, don't you? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I'm sure. Um, and then of course the end of the movie is like this weird like monologue of her version. doing another ASMR video, and I'm like, okay, listen, well, I you get the how in that one though she has like a bigger setup. Yeah. She's got a better mic ring light in her eyes. Yeah, because her parents are probably like, we finally understand you now. (laughs) Sorry. We're listening. You're listening. (laughs) You'd have to watch the movie to understand what we're making fun of. But um, it just kills me because, like, I don't mind, like, I guess the sounds, like the satisfying sounds sort of thing. But even then, it gets a little too clacky for my ears. I hate listening to whispering. I get how it could be soothing for people. It's not soothing for me. It's quite grating, actually, listening to the people whispering. Um, it's just it like it's very distracting. I'd rather just listen to two people having a normal conversation. Yeah. That's why I listen to podcasts if I'm trying to fall asleep because music I just get too excited ASMR, over. We both said uh, not for us. No, um, yeah. But the movie, if you totally curious, fine if it's for you, it's just not for us. If you're curious, the movie is called Grim Cuddy. Oh, yeah. It is very scary. It's mm. it's got really great um like it's it's a, it's a horror film. It's so. yeah, so if you're into horror films, if you I want I just think if you're going to go it's on Disney Plus, so go check out the description yeah. if it looks like yeah. it's up to your alley, just be yeah. it is a horror film. 
check watch out the, the trailer, trailer. look up the trailer on, on youtube for you grim cuddy see if you're feeling it um for someone who likes to be able to find movies that has a little bit more of a creep factor rather than full-on like jump scares all the time all the, there's jump scares don't get me wrong but there's also right. like a general creep factor about the um the uh like monster kind of thing of the movie and it's super cool yeah um agree Anyways, okay. Um, I cannot wait for this episode. I'm very much in the dark here, um, <laughs> so I'm just as curious as, uh, as the listeners. Yeah, he are. literally said, "Don't tell me anything. I don't want to know just anything." Said, Go nuts with it, and she did just that. So before we get to find out what we're listening to this week, yes, let's click that button and roll the intro. Roll it. Let's have a And we are back, everybody. Hello, hello, hello. Okie dokie. So, big, fun, long episode. I hope we can get through all of it because I know there's a lot. I'm going to do my best, too. I'm going to condense a few things um, and kind of wrap up. I kind of want to – I'll explain this as I go We know how how rabbit holes work in this – on this podcast, guys. Ryan goes nuts. We listen. Um, and, 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 and she's just going to do her brain thing. And I love to see <laughs> her brain just go down this rabbit hole. Yeah. Um, I think it would be a lot more fun to – maybe an episode we do like a live rabbit hole where we do the episode and all you – like you actually just go through like your – research kind of process oh yeah yeah, yeah. But okay you do it live so you have to like speed up a bit and maybe you like mm-hmm. jump jump around a little bit more yeah you know what it's actually funny is that's what my writing process is like especially exactly. i try and find a couple of elements that i'll bounce between or sources i'll bounce between and then i'll kind of like fill in the gaps so that's what i did on this guy i'm gonna get into a little bit further and you'll understand what i mean by like bouncing between aspects of things so i was kind of like back and forth to kind of keep my brain going the whole right. time because when i'm too focused on one subject for too long i start like drifting so I had to keep bouncing between stuff. I hear you. I hear you. Okay. So, so. guys, <laughs> this rabbit hole is going to be a Halloween extravaganza. Love it. Love it. Um, so first and foremost, so I wanted to kind of do this in a few sections. So I wanted to start with um, a bit of the origins of the holiday itself um, and just kind of like where some things came from. It's going to kind of like start a little bit more in detail from like way, way, way back, and then kind of catch us up to more modern history. Um, and then I'm going to throw out a few stats for everybody as far as, because uh, one thing I did want to touch on lately is the same thing like many other popular holidays is the industry that these holidays become. Um, right. The amount and of like money that gets invested that between gets like, you know, uh, attractions, clothing, um, food, all that kind of stuff, anything revolving around the Everest, holiday. Everything. Um, and then yeah. there's there's a little bit... There's a section that I labeled for myself because I like to have fun, even if I don't necessarily always say it. Um, It's called All Trick, No Treat. Cool. And I'll get into what I mean specifically with that by the time that I get there. Um, But yeah, so I'm going to take a wee bit of a sip before I dive right in. I'm going to take a gulp. Um, I'm really looking forward to it. Again, I hope you get through a good chunk of it, if at all. Um, I think through. I'll make try not to get off track because I know you have a lot of notes. So I know, read I know. on the notes. I know. Like I try speech. to. I try to construct my notes to kind of guide me through, so I don't have to be, um, you know, too off onto too many tangents. Perfect. So. Some of you, maybe not all, but some, um, will know the tradition of Halloween has um, Celtic roots. So it originated in the Celtic festival, Samhain. Now, it's spelled like you would say Samhain, but it's Samhain. Okay. Um, S-A-M-H-A-I-N, because, you know, the Celts just love to... Write it one way and say it another. Yes. Um, So basically during this festival, it would be at the end of their harvest season. um, They would light bonfires in which they would, um, people would gather around and burn crops and animal sacrifices. So after their harvest, they would have, you know, however many crops, they would take a part of that along with animals and make sacrifices to the Celtic deities. Obviously as a same thing you would see in a lot of other, um, especially more pagan-based religions at that time, you know, you make sacrifices to these deities of whichever type so that they can bless you throughout the coming year. Mm-hmm. Um, and they would also wear costumes, typically consisting of animal heads and different animal skins to ward off spirits. Um, so the to kind of explain why specifically this holiday is what it is, is the Celts who lived about 2,000 years ago, um, it's mostly in like the area of like Ireland, 
the UK and Northern France as well. Okay. It was a pretty widespread area because it was a lot more like tribe-based. Sorry, you probably heard my uh, computer go off. I just got a text from my friend, so I'm going to have to reply to that later. Is uh, is your Should I mute your computer some way somehow? Uh, no, no, no. It's okay. It won't, it won't pop up again. Okay. It won't like keep dinging. Um, so... Yeah, so basically the reason why they specifically, so the day of the October 31st, after their harvest season, the reason why they celebrated this festival was because they started their new year and celebrated their new year on November 1st. Okay. Kind of, because then right. that's when the winter season really started for them. Okay. So that's where they kind of see, if you think about it, and I'll get into a little bit more, is think of it more of like a natural seasonal cycle. Sorry, I'm gonna about to burp really quickly because we ate and then I sat for like 15 minutes and now I'm having a beer. Okay, sorry. Too. Um, yeah, so basically, if you think about it, it's more of a natural cycle of, right. you know, your winter is the end of is the end of your harvest season, which is your uh, basically the um, end product of your kind of like life cycle of the natural world. You know, the leaves start to die, you know, um, grounds get frozen that sort of thing like you're in this kind of like waning almost death-like period before spring is you know uh rebirth Mm -hmm. and then that's when you see like more rains and and everything starts to flourish animals but so then they're but then their year starts at the start of harvest season so the year starts no it doesn't start at the start of harvest is november 1st yeah so then they go through the winter yeah right um so their year starts once like winter starts to arrive post harvest season post harvest season harvest okay. season is ends with october for oh, okay them. and for most places it does I you said it because like the air starts to winter. get colder the grounds will start to you know what i mean um so think of it that that way is once the weather starts getting cold you can't really plant anything anymore or harvest right. much that's where that you know so they would just take a break from farming in general well yeah because then again the they can't really get to anything until yes. like late spring early Not summer sure. and that's yeah. when they start planting everything that's why like spring is seen as a season of rebirth um, plus, you know, a lot of animals, especially I'm sure in this region, would have some sort of hibernation period that I they see. they start to procreate themselves in the yeah. springtime. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So the day marked the end of summer and the harvest and the beginning of the dark, cold winter. Um, as I mentioned, the wintertime itself was considered a time of death. Um And also associated not just with like natural end of cycle things, but human death as well. Um, The Celts believe that on the night before the new year, the boundary between the worlds of the living and the dead became blurred, which is this spooky sense of things and and association with human death as well. So that's why the night of October 1st, October 1st, first, they they celebrated Samhain. And it was believed the ghosts of the dead returned to earth during this time because this veil was blurred between the worlds of the living and the dead. Um, other than that, um, they also believed that these spirits or ghosts of the dead caused trouble and damaged crops. They also thought that the presence of these otherworldly spirits made it easier for the druids, which were priests within Celtic, the whole Celtic culture. Um, and these priests would make um, predictions about the future because of the presence of these spirits. Um and so, as I mentioned, the kind of the life cycle of the earth, Celt, the Celts, their culture was very much involved in the earth itself, and they were very connected to the earth. Um, so a lot of these prophecies that got made during this time were kind of like what would give them hope to carry them through the winter months into the, you know, ah. the, the new seasons. Um, so at the end of the celebration, they would, so they would have all these big bonfires. And earlier in the day, they would um, extinguish their, like, the fires inside their home, so their hearth fires. Um, and after making all these sacrifices, it then the, these bonfires became sacred flames. So at the end of all the celebrations, they would actually um, grab whatever wood thing that could carry the flame. They would bring the flame into their homes and relight their hearth fires with this sacred flame from these bonfires oh, to then also, again, bring upon good things for them over the course of the winter. Mm. Um, so as we go on through history, yes, yeah, it's just kind of like again, it's it's all these very In mystical, the winter, like the winter, yeah, winter months, like get yeah, warm, it's you know? it's again, think of it as like a blessing, right? Yeah, of course, they're bringing of in these blessed it, it is flames, very much right? A- a um yeah element of again it's the- it and i think it's what's really cool is you know a lot of these older pagan cultures have kind of evolved and and been retrofitted to other religious beliefs that have become more prevalent and we'll see this as i get into you know a little bit after this um but that i think that's where a lot of like all this like uh mysticism comes from is because these a lot of these old um 
beliefs were so connected to the earth itself. And the earth itself is still quite a mystery in a lot mm-hmm. of ways for us. Um, and I think that's what adds to this mis- mysticism and mystery, which can also kind of be kind of spooky and unknown. Um, so I just always find them very interesting. For sure. Um, so I'm getting a lot of this like background thing from basically like a history channel page. Um of the holiday itself. Gotcha. Um, so they say at about 34 AD, um, most of the Celtic territories were conquered by the Romans, which definitely happened. Um, and over the course of the 400 years that the Romans had rule over this area, uh, there were two Roman festivals that actually combined, that were like intertwined with obviously the existing people in the land who would have celebrated Samhain mm-hmm. and, and that Celtic festival. It all kind of like mixed in together. So this is where you're seeing now influences from other conquering cultures that will evolve into the holiday we know it is. Um, so these two Roman celebrations were Feralia and Pomana. So Feralia basically commemorated the passing of the dead, which works really well considering the fact that um, the Celts believed that the, you know, the veil was blurred and you're already going to be dealing with spirits anyway. Um, And I think that's where we kind of have this almost like reverence for spiritual things during this time of year. Um, And then the second day, so um, Pomana uh, was to honor the actual goddess Poana. Um, she was the Roman goddess of fruit and trees. And um, all these festivities, festivities, I'm so sorry, I'm tripping over my words right now. Because you're speeding. Um, were symbolically um, shown with apples, which um, is likely kind of a way back rooted reason why we bob for apples now yeah, in modern yeah. Halloween. It's probably some sort of influence those, there. So those are two different days of holidays? That have been like, its influences were like intertwined because they happened around the same time. Okay. Um, around that kind of harvesting season. So they their influences can kind of be seen in how things evolve. Um, in the 8th century, Pope Gregory III designated November 1st um, as a time to honor all saints. And now um, that kind of evolved over like what November 1st was for the Celts. Um, so All Saints Day incorporated some of the traditions of Samhain um, and a lot of – but a lot of it still stayed with the day before. And um, – so the evening before October 31st then became known as All Hallows Eve um, in connection to November 1st now being known as All Saints Day. Right. Uh, and then All Hallows Eve would later turn into Halloween. Wow. Um, so from there, Halloween would evolve, uh, would evolve to include a multitude of different traditions as we know them. So trick-or-treating, carving jack-o'-lanterns, um, which fun fact with jack-o'-lanterns, they actually started as turnips. Mm. They would carve turnips, not pumpkins. Um, so other than that, there would be other festive gatherings, uh-huh. um, donning costumes, and eating sweet treats. Um, so the introduction of celebrating All Hallows' Eve into the New World, so, you know, U.S., Canada, all that kind of stuff, um, started slow. Um, there was a bit more of a focus on the U.S. stuff here. So uh, it was st- extremely limited in colonial New England because of the very rigid Protestant beliefs there. Um, so it was actually, fun fact, a lot more popular to celebrate All Hallows' Eve festivities in Maryland and a lot of the other southern states because it was a little bit more of like Puritan-based in New okay, England. Okay, right. Which is funny because in New England is where like witch trials were and stuff like that. So they were much more suspicious. I also have a feeling this has to do with just kind of – it was much harsher to live in that area of the country at that time. Um, And this is probably also a reason why the witch trials were such a thing because life was very hard Mm -hmm. and everything sucked. Um, And the woods were kind of seen as a very mysterious place um in that area so the the that kind of whole mysticism and and belief in spirits i think probably made everybody a little bit like ooh, and then that's why you know everybody lost their minds um so over time we kind of would see these beliefs and customs from different european ethnic groups and as well as the natives um kind of meshed together into a more americanized version very distinctly from all of this kind of like melting pot of traditions um and this americanized version of halloween began to emerge with um they actually so there was the first celebrations like widespread more widespread celebrations um called play parties where um so these were public events where they would celebrate the harvest and neighbors would share stories of the dead tell each other's fortunes and dance and sing so these are like the first like what we would probably just see is like Maybe not necessarily um, 
like all in one, but you're seeing these kind of um, fortune telling, everybody's hanging out, listening to music, having a good time, swapping like cool stories. You're seeing these influences of like spooky season culture and like Halloween parties and things like that. Right. Um, by the time that the 19th century came around, it wasn't um, as like a like a widespread holiday still, but a lot of specific areas would have annual All Hallows Eve celebrations. Um, over time, obviously, it spread more, um, but it was it was very common to have like maybe one area that they would for sure celebrate one, and then a few areas around them that were like, no, we don't do Halloween. I see. Um, and then, of course, again, as history happens, over time, things become more popularized, all that kind of stuff. But a lot of this is what we see for our traditional um, Halloween parties. And then you kind of see things from um, time go on where wearing costumes became a lot more popularized and that it was more of a from the U- European immigrants, um, especially Irish immigrants, funnily enough, that made it more popular as they kind of dispersed throughout the country. I, I, and then they I, yeah. would encourage the kind of like bringing kids around to houses while people had parties in like the 20s and the 30s. And that's where it became a lot more popular. I, it's it's interesting because to, to know, like to grow up here in, in Canada, mm-hmm. like we know what what Halloween is, and everybody cele- quote yeah. quote celebrates it. Like Halloween for uh, families that live in you know small towns or big towns, whatever. Yeah, you can expect if you live in a house, you can expect kids knocking on your door, right? Yeah, exactly. And that's something that we grew up in. But I would be, I would not be surprised to find out that other areas of the world, as we see it today, don't even celebrate Halloween either at oh, all. Oh, for sure, there or, are. Or there, or there's other traditions, right? So you're getting to the point where there's there was places in the world that celebrated. All Hallows Eve in different traditions, doing yeah. different things. It's the same thing still today. Yeah, right? exactly. So, yeah. Um, so, as I said, 19th century, so this would be the 1800s, there was a, a, a movement, obviously, to kind of mold Halloween into a holiday more about like community and neighborly get togethers. Uh, and this is where, again, we would still continue to see like um, pranks happening, ghost stories being swapped, all that fun stuff. Um, parents were encouraged by newspapers and like community leaders to take anything frightening or grotesque out of Halloween celebrations. So you'll actually look back on pictures of this time. Um, and a lot of the costumes were not very like intimidating or like spooky. Yeah. It was very much of a let's all celebrate. It was like more of a, um, like an autumnal, like, post-harvest community get-together uh, rather just, than like, – dress up in fun costumes and – Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so it, during this time, it kind of like Halloween lost more of its, um, Spooky. I mean, like religious roots and like superstitious tones gotcha. um, until closer to the 20th century. So, like I mentioned before, the idea of the Halloween parties um, in the 1920s and 30s, Halloween became more secular, community based. Um, they started seeing a lot more parades and like town wide parties that featured entertainment. Um, it's it's funny here too. Obviously, despite their best efforts of not having anything too um, disruptive or you know um, spooky happening, um, vandalism started becoming a big thing uh, as an issue um, during this time. Rather than kind of like all celebratory, which again you can kind of speak to the whole like trick or treat part of the, right. the trick part of trick or treat. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and then so between. I guess like trick-or-treating had kind of died off because they were kind of more – everyone was at all one big party compared to earlier in the 1800s. By the time we hit uh, 1950, um, it was alive and well, back at it again. Um, and it was like relatively in an inexpensive way for people to like all be able to enjoy Halloween celebrations. Um, and then – it, the the thought here too is that like if parents are taking their kids out trick or treating and like everyone everyone's encouraged to come out, then their kids aren't running off and playing pranks on people. Right, right. Um. So yeah, I have a few more stats as far as like dollars regarding that. Um. So I'll get into that a little bit later. Um. And I think that's it as far as the major history. Um. Obviously. Things kind of continue and get more popularized, and then we see how it you is see, today. Yeah, you see either traditions start me- meshing, or yeah, even new traditions forming, new ways. Like I've seen not not I wouldn't say new traditions in my time start forming, but yeah. new ways of doing things. It's it's just kind of sort of new trends or new mm-hmm. you know s- specific themes of yeah, things, right? Exactly. So, cool. Neat. Yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, I I will actually get into those now. As far as the stats and things like that. Sweet. They talked about, um, in the one, like, article, like, internet article I saw, 
There was stuff like um, talking more about All Saints Day and like Saints soul cakes and stuff like that. And I was like, first of all, no one gives a shit about November 1st. Unless you're, sorry, unless you're Catholic and you probably still celebrate some sort of Somewhere, situation yeah. on All Saints Day. I'm not Catholic. I don't know. Um, Halloween's more my time. you do, let us know. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, like if you, if any of that sounded familiar as far yeah, as like All know, Saints Day yeah. stuff. Please share with us. I just wanted to really keep it to Halloween specifically yeah, rather than Halloween, get into the Halloween, overall yeah, thing. Yeah. Um, so a few quick statistics. So this is a mix of stuff that I found on a couple different sources um, from US based, and then I found a few on StatsCan. Um, so I think this first one is actually specifically, oh no, first two are from StatsCan. Uh, the National Retail Federation's annual Halloween consumer survey. That was a whole mouthful. That was a whole mouthful. Try saying that 10 times fast. Um, it reveals that total Halloween spending in 2022 is expected to reach a record 10.6 billion with a B, yep. exceeding last year's record of 10.1, which is crazy. Literal billion dollar industry. Um, and then uh, another one from... So I think this was in June of 2017. So this is a little bit older of a Is that just statistic. revenue based on Halloween... Like specifically Halloween items, or is that just like overall? I think it's Halloween items because it was a consumer survey, so mm. that's probably counting for like reports from businesses on like costumes from like food places on candy yeah. and stuff yeah. like that. Honestly, How many I would products even of that like Halloween candy package did you guys sell? They yeah, exactly that number, stuff right? like that. Yeah. Um, so it's probably mostly based on that. Maybe arguably like ticket sales during this time of year for right. horror films or Halloween-based well, I mean, movies. Well, any sort of amusement parks or exhibitions oh, that are 100%. Halloween also includes that, right? So haunted attractions are like a huge, like again, millions of dollars every year. Mm -hmm. um, the the history itself of haunted, uh, like of haunts and haunted houses and, and haunted that sort of thing. Rides. Um Well, it, so that's why I say haunts is haunts in general because it's kind of a wide variety of different styles. Yeah, yeah. That is a whole other thing that I could dive deep into i know but so then is that just did, did, did that kind of scariness of halloween just kind of mesh from i think it evolved over time a lot of so there's old pictures of like these kids wearing these like super like garish masks um i it's i feel like the 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 sources i was able to find throughout the day to day um didn't quite touch on the idea of this more of a rather than just like costumes to disguise yourself is you wear costumes to kind of like scare off right. and then that's where those like kind of themes started coming in um i would even argue to like 1950s obviously i mentioned is when like trick-or-treating became more popular we're also seeing a huge rise and don't get me wrong there was horror films before then but we see a huge rise in like horror science fiction in the 50s yeah um and also living in a very scary time during the Cold War. Um, so I feel like being able to have those influences of horror movies becoming a little bit bigger part of the the mainstream media in a sense. Even the horror movies are never really taken seriously even to this day. Um, but still a part of the mainstream media, especially with like teens and like older children. Um, I feel like a lot of those scary influences started to kind of play Just a role into all of that again. more into the real world. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because like you see it more, more and more every year. Is like oh, absolutely you know, this these these haunted you know attractions, and then having scary things happen. So that's what I was gonna scary, say. Like everything, any Halloween related movie is mm -hmm. like, is usually a scary movie. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's haunted haunts themselves are super super interesting in how it was just kind of more fun house haunted houses, and especially over the last I want to say like eight years or so maybe even a decade at this point now i'm thinking too um is it's been like extreme haunts has been a much more popular thing because every year these places are trying to level up because eventually people just start to get more desensitized to it right so you're always going to have these like hardcore people looking for their next biggest scare and you and know you, you know when you have the hardcore like if you're canada's wonderland yes but, like, if you're a, a local place, probably not, right? Oh, you'd be surprised. I mean, you definitely want to level no, no, no. up. Okay, but, like, so you're, but you're, if you're a local attraction, like, local places to us, like, there's a lot of families that the only the only place that they can go to for a, a fun night out with their family and kids and stuff is this, you know, Haunt Manor. So, yeah, instance, obviously you know? there so. is. I would even argue, though, Haunt Manor is not something you'd bring your younger children to. Why not? 
they they get the the scare actors there get pretty intimidating. Okay, sure. No, they they unless unless it's like an earlier time. Or I just know there's other things they do, right? So so you can like essentially arrive for certain like walkthrough times, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um, and they'll do rotations of shows. And like, I mean, I'm not. I've worked myself up to like some pretty like unnerving like, you know, getting a good scare. Right? I like. The times that I've gone have maybe been a little bit later in the evening, so I'm not sure. But, like, and I've seen, like, 12, 13-year-olds at Haunt Manor with, like, older siblings or parents or whatever. Right. But it's usually majority, like, adults. And, yeah, the scare actors do really make an effort to creep you right. out. Right. And I mean, like, creep you out. Oh, I know. So oh, I, I wouldn't know. necessarily bring young kids there. But what I was going to say, though, is that um, – so there is – I think it's called Haunters – I watched it a while ago. Um, it was a documentary that was on Netflix. I don't know if it's on Netflix anymore. I don't think so. Um, but it basically goes into kind of more about like haunted attractions and haunts themselves right. and especially extreme haunts. They, what I don't love is they talk a lot to and cover a lot of um, the guy who runs McCamey Manor. And he is trash bag of a human being. Um, just because he deliberately goes out of his way to compl- like, and I mean like terrorize people. Right. Um, don't get me wrong. I'm sure there's a lot of other extreme haunts out there that go a bit too far. Um, but he's like, people have been injured. People have had to go to therapy. Like it's the point where you're signing a release form and then you're getting abducted because you're meeting however far away from this guy's house. Wow. And he's like running it out of, yeah. So it, anyways, I don't love the coverage that they gave to him cause he's a literal D bag. Right. Um, but it goes into these other places where, like, these other people will run it out of their houses. Um, there's this one guy who's, like, super passionate about it and really goes to make an effort. It's a decent scare. And he's not, like, too far going over the line. His wife, though, the whole time through the documentary when they're talking to him, she's, like, done. She's, like, hey, he plans this whole year around doing this for, like, one night. Right. I Like, I hate it. Like, it's so dumb. <laughs> so much money, so much time. She's so, much so over it. Yeah. She's, like, it's Halloween all the freaking time. Like... She like has said all these, and I was like, she is not a good time, Sadly, my guy. Yeah, you need to find someone to support I like, you, you need a little to bit find more. Somebody who would like help you with these things. Eh? Um, but it's just really interesting That's to funny. kind of watch how things have evolved and see all these different people in these different factions, and then you see um, other extreme like haunts who, you know, maybe to like a quick person out of context where it's like that does not sound like a good time, but they go through every possible safety measure to make sure that the people are still safe, whereas like. There's, like, clips that – because he'll – so the guy from McCamey Manor will record stuff and, like, people will, like, say no, try and use, like, safe words, things like that. And he'll just, like, have it all recorded, upload it with, like, a paywall and stuff like that Crazy. and then upload other stuff onto YouTube to get people to want to go. He will literally terrorize people and not help them at all. When they, they say, I'm done, he does not do anything. He yells in their face. That's crazy. Whereas these other places – actually yeah oh yeah big difference um but yeah so anyways it is a really interesting one um there's also one thing no stats stats sorry sorry stats i know we're right what happens at a rabbit hole guys sorry um so the total so from the the 2017 stat that i had mentioned so total number of businesses engaged in formal wear and costume rental as far as halloween goes 158 i'm sure that's more now 158 this was from 2017 No, 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 like 158 businesses. Oh, okay. Because, again, not every business is going to be – their their business model is not around Halloween. You know for sure, I mean? for sure, for sure. Anyways, um, so as far as some recent stats for uh, decorations, costumes sort of thing, I found this really funny one that I wanted to shout out. Um, more people are buying costumes for their pets. Americans spent $490 million on costumes for their pets in 2019, more than double what they spent in 2010. That's awesome. Over nine years, they've doubled how much they spent on pets, which is really funny. That's awesome. Um, considering that we have a jack-o'-lantern t-shirt we have, for Chaplin waiting for, for our pet in our closet, and we still have you guys to buy costumes for ourselves. <laughs> yes, love it. Um, so a few things on treats or candy. Uh, one quarter of all the candy sold annually in the U.S. is purchased for Halloween. Out of the whole year, yeah. one quarter of all of it, yeah, just specifically that's, for that's them. That's valid. Yeah. Um, 550.7 million is the value of the sales of cookies, confectionery, snack, and foods at retail in October 2017. So that's a stats can one. Uh, wow. December, however, was the month with the highest monthly sales at um, 651.2. But like just- and This is 2017. That's in 2017. I'm sure it's more now. It's got to be at least triple Absolutely. now. Absolutely. Double at least. Absolutely. Um, so yeah. 
So those are some quick fun stats. That's a, um, that's I was a lot. trying to look up like a lot of useful ones, and it was just a lot of the same stuff repeated. So right. I just found some ones that were like super interesting or oh. made me laugh, like the the pet one um, that I wanted to shout out really quickly. Yeah, it all lines up. Yeah, it makes yeah it makes a lot of sense. I I think when I when it comes to like how I see the whole tradition, like everybody, I think a lot of people that are around us, like they you you celebrate Halloween in in your own way. Like I said, if you live in like a subdivision, like you're gonna get kids, a lot of kids. Oh yeah, um, and I think like. There's going to be families and parents who, I mean, like, you grew up in a subdivision, basically. Yeah, like, I grew up in, like, a you neighborhood. You grew up in a community, yeah. uh, and, like, a pretty large one, too. I grew mm. up in a relatively small one, but I had neighbors right beside me kind yeah. of thing. Um, but, like, I also lived in a small enough town that, like, there was people, like, because there was not kids coming mm-hmm. to us. Yeah. Um, it, you know, some p- families would just not be home. Yep. And that would happen. That happens in those yep. those small. Those I had towns it was literally I could cross like ten houses in like less than a minute in my neighborhood if I was just like walking right by them. We're all like it's all like semi detached homes, so they're like stacked beside each other. And yeah, it would be like every third house sometimes it would be empty or no lights were on. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Right. So it just depends on the neighborhood you're in as well. Yeah, yeah. I I know. It's just um, yeah. I guess we'll t- we'll talk about more of that. But anyways. Anyways, I was going to say, um, always there's always the one because this is trick or treating. I think is the as a kid, mm-hmm. that's the maybe one of the main things about Halloween. Absolutely, and it's funny. And it's you... interesting how like it's fall. Halloween continues to obviously fall on a different day every single year. Well, like day like, of the week, it's the well, same day, day, of, the day of the month. Yeah, yeah, day of the week. But like when when I grew up, I don't remember it being like a hassle. You know what I mean? Like I never I never remember. I always thought it was like the same day. It, it feels like it was always the same day of the week because... Well, like, think about it. If five out of the seven days of the week... It's a weekday. It's a weekday. So you're probably going to school. You have a little Halloween. Costume party. Costumes, costume party, whatever. Costume you're contest. chilling most of the day. Yeah, yeah, costume yeah. contest. We used to do like a little parade thing in my grade school around the um, around the playground. Yep, and like parents yep. who lived nearby would come and like oh, take cool. pictures and stuff. Yeah, yeah, it was super cute. Um, and then I would go home, have some dinner... Or maybe not even, depending on how early we'd go out. We'd go out trick-or-treating, come home, and then chill for the rest of the night. Mm-hmm. And then have dinner then, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, depending on, like, how old I was and, and all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah. Like, it was it, – it. I do agree with you. It just kind of, like, it felt like a really normal thing. And then on the times it happened to fall on a weekend, then you get to sleep in that day. Um, and then I just remember spending, like, the whole day – just having Halloween movies on and, and playing, like, Halloween like, – On November 1st, you mean? Like the day no, after? no, like on well, if Halloween landed on a weekend. a weekend, yeah, yeah, yeah. I see. I just remember doing that. So. Yeah, I remember most of like again, like you said, five out of seven days a week. I always remember it was school for Halloween. And, yeah, that, and no, even, that's fair. Well, even, I mean, even, even if even if it wasn't a weekday, like the thirty first wasn't a weekday, mm-hmm. the the Friday before you'd have. Oh yeah, for, for sure. And so sure. I always I always remember it being like always Halloween, cr- go crazy in my house too. Holy crap. Yeah. Oh um, well, we go all out. I think I've described before. My in mom never episodes. decorated, but like we we loved costumes. That was our main thing. We, yeah. We all, my mom always wanted us yeah. to do a fun costume. Costumes so. were always fun, but we definitely went like all out with the decorations too. Oh, I cool. I rem- and I think that's maybe why I love Halloween still so much now is because we really did go for the gusto every year with it and have a lot of fun with it. It was like a fun thing. Um. It's funny looking back on it now that, it, yeah, it really was just like Halloween and then Christmas. But right. I just feel like I have so many more memories, whether there be like I was traumatized and laugh about it now or it was just fun in general um, of s- specific stuff around mm-hmm. Halloween. It's funny where like impressions kind of last with you, maybe in ways that you never expected before. Absolutely, but Absolutely, yeah. right? Yeah. Okay. So speaking of trick-or-treating, we're going to get back on track. I'll trick, no treat. I'll trick, no treat. Okay. All right. So – um, on Halloween, there's a lot of different strange cases associated with and occurring on Halloween, but I wanted to cover one that has really stuck with me since I've heard about it. Um, and the circumstances are of which are like really entwined with anxieties around the holiday itself. So I narrowing in on the idea of trick or treating, I'm going to get into this. So, um, I've, it's, I have it labeled here as the Candyman murder, um, so I first learned of this case while watching a documentary called Killer Legends. So, um, 
uh, Killer Legends was a movie made by Joshua Zeman. He also did a documentary film called Cropsy that you may, people out there may have heard of, um, basically about um, some old urban legends from his like New York town, um, also associated with an actual like case, true crime case that happened in the area. Um, so he has a producer for Killer Legends that he worked with, Rachel Mills, um, where he kind of took this and ran with it of investigating possible true crime cases that like influenced or perpetuated certain urban legends so he covers a bunch of different ones from like the hook man to the babysitter in the house being called and killed um to like clowns in general um but then he also covers the idea of like the candy man and this mysterious person who and not candy man like the tony todd movies i mean like the random stranger in the neighborhood who puts razors or poison into kids' candies. Okay. Sort of deal. Love it. Um, so, and, and the fact that there's literally, like, they were showing news clips that there's many towns where parents would, like, bring their candy into, like, clinics um, to get x-ray to make sure that there's no razors. Or right. they would, like, test certain bits of candy to make sure there wasn't contaminated for their kids. Because it's just this perpetuating urban legend that there's, like, nasty people in neighborhoods that will just, like, poison candy and, like, hope that it hurts some kids. Um, So, yeah. Basically, while pondering the kind of idea behind this legend um, and of worried parents being targeted by a random house, um, they investigated the case of a man named Ronald Clark O'Brien. So O'Brien was a 30-year-old optician who worked in, who lived in Deer Park, Texas, with his wife, um, Deneen, son, Timothy, and daughter, Elizabeth. Um, and October 31st, 1974, tragedy hit their family. So just for context for some of the, like, area when I was looking into it. So Deer Park, I wasn't really sure where it was. Um, it's actually in an area, um, Harris County, uh, which is a part of, like, the greater, like, Houston, mm. Sugarland, Baytown, if you know anything about Texas, um, metropolitan area. Um, it's kind of, like, intertwined with and beside the city of Pasadena. Um, and they reference Pasadena, which is why I kind of wanted to look into it more um the way it looks on the map is the same way if you were to look at like a map of niagara and the way like st Catharines, thorold and like Noddle kind of flow into each other oh, so yeah it's, it's it literally niagara, that's how it right? looks like there's like pasadena convention centers like right underneath where they have deer park listed so it's kind of in that area I see what you mean. so on halloween night o'brien took his children trick-or-treating in um like a neighborhood of houses in pasadena so probably not far over from where they lived um, so in a neighborhood there, O'Brien's neighbor and his neighbor's two children also accompanied them, um, on their little trick-or-treating adventure. So after visiting a home where the occupant had failed to answer the door, um, the children got really impatient and just wanted to like, go ahead. They were like, okay, whatever, we're going to move on to the next house. Um, so the neighbor kept up with the kids. O'Brien stayed back. Um, when he eventually caught up with the group, he produced five pixie sticks about like the, the like the 21 centimeters, like those tall ones. Yeah. You've never seen a pixie stick before? No, I'm just okay. like, I yeah. gave you that look of like, okay, where is that Yeah, going? just wait. So he produces five pixie sticks. Wait, so O'Brien, like the dad? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ronald, Ronald Clark O'Brien. Yeah, Ronald. Uh, which he would later claim he was given um, to from the occupant of the house that hadn't answered the door. So he had like stuck around and was like, hey, like, do you have anything? Right. Like I was like, here. Um, at the end of the evening, O'Brien gave each of his neighbors two children a pixie stick and then one to each and one each to his kids, Timothy and Elizabeth. Um, so once they got home, um, O'Brien gave the fifth uh, the fifth pixie stick that he got to a 10 year old boy uh, that he recognized from his church. I guess they were all kind of like gathered there from from what I remember, like reading and then listening to the case in the movie is that they were all kind of like hanging out after right. trick or treating for a yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Uh, before bed, Timothy had asked to eat some of the candy he collected. And according to Ronald, he wanted to have the pixie stick. Um, so Timothy was like struggling with it a little bit to like, you know how sometimes like the sugar stuff can get like really like packed yeah. in. Um, so he, he was having a hard time getting it. a really like, easy way to open a pixie stick. Everybody no, well, methods, like it, not like, only opening it, but like all of the th stuff can get stuck together. So yeah. And if you suck too hard, then you're already going to make it like you're going to put your saliva in and then it's going to get stuck. Anyways. Exactly. So, um, O'Brien came over and kind of like loosened up the powder, broke up the stick and, and, and poured the pixie stick into Timothy's mouth. Um, as soon as Timothy tasted the candy, he, like I said, it was, like, bitter. It had a bad taste. So O'Brien made him some Kool-Aid to, like, wash the taste out of his mouth. Um, 
almost immediately, I want to say it was probably a few minutes, Timothy started complaining that his stomach hurt. He ran in the bathroom, started vomiting, and then he started convulsing. Um, O'Brien would later state that he had held Timothy while he was still vomiting, and then Timothy went limp after convulsing for a little Ooh. while. 911 was obviously called. Um, Timothy O'Brien died en route to the hospital less than an hour after ingesting the candy. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So naturally, this caused a panic with parents. Um, and like they all started. So in the article that I was like reading about it too, like uh, regarding the case, they like all kind of started swarming the, <laughs> the police station, bringing in candy because they thought that it was contaminated and poisoned like Timothy's was. Yeah. And they, of course they don't know like where it came from, all that kind of stuff. Right. There wasn't really any suspicions on anybody at that time. It was kind of more of a, they wanted to like investigate what happened to him and then figure out what, where to go from there. Um, Timothy's autopsy revealed that the pixie stick, uh, that he consumed was laced with a fatal dose of potassium cyanide. Nice. Yep. The police collected all the other sticks that O'Brien claimed that he got from this house. Obviously later he said he got it from the house. Um, all five had been opened, filled with the cyanide uh, for like the top two inches or so. (laughs) Sorry, my nose got a little itchy. Uh, the top two inches or so, and then got stapled shut. Yeah, yeah okay, so weird. yeah, so the it, it, they mentioned like the fifth kid too, um, because they obviously like weren't directly associated with the neighbor or right. O'Brien. Um, they the the parents were like super panicked because they couldn't find it, and apparently the kid that had the pixie stick he had it unopened and it had passed out because he was gonna eat it, but couldn't get it open because of the staple right that was in it. Um, so that's the only reason why he hadn't eaten it. Wow. Otherwise, he'd probably be dead too. Right. Um, so he said that, so the pathologists that tested the pixie sticks, the pissy sticks, pissy sticks, um, the candy consumed by Timothy contained enough cyanide to kill two adults while the other four candies contained enough to kill three or four adults. Wow. Yeah. So Brian initially said to police that he couldn't remember which house that he got it from. Um, like he had no idea what was yeah, going bullshit. on. Yeah. So the police got more and more suspicious. Um, first and foremost, because of the fact that like O'Brien was like not really sure what happened. Um, they also like the group of them had only visited like two houses, like for sure gone and gotten things from two houses um, because it was raining that night. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then they started to increase more because the the homes that had purportedly been visited, other than this one that didn't answer, didn't have pick. They weren't giving out pixie sticks. Right. Um, so O'Brien actually took the police through and like walked the neighborhood with them and was like, no, I don't know. I can't remember which house, like blah, 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 blah. And then he like pointed out some like random house, um, then said was like, oh, that's the one that didn't answer the door. So he said that the owner of the home. You mean that's the one you have the pixie sticks from? Yeah. So because like the remember that house that like they didn't get an I answer know, from. I know, but like why would you say that's the one that didn't answer the door? But they did answer the door. I'm so it was so, but initially didn't answer the door, and that's why the kids ran out. Right. Sorry. Yeah. Um, because that's what it, that's what like my sources kept referencing. So okay. Um, but yeah, so he he led them to the home where they didn't get an answer at first. Um, O'Brien claimed that he went back there before catching up with the group, which is why he like hung back um, and said the owner of the home didn't turn the lights back on, but did crack the door open and just was like, here, like take the take the sticks, which That's is super fucking weird. Stupid. Um, he claimed to have only seen the man's arm and he described it as hairy. That's mm. the only distinguishing factor. Um, nice. So the home that he like it almost seemingly randomly pointed to after walking the same neighborhood three times um, was owned by um, a name, a, gu- a guy named Courtney Melvin. So Melvin was an air traffic controller at the airport and hadn't even gotten home from work until 11 PM on Halloween night. Right. So he was almost immediately ruled out as a suspect because also he had like 200 people that confirmed that he was just, at work. Like he worked alibi. at an airport. Yeah. 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 Um, so here's, here's where it gets really, really fucking I. So police were like, okay, something fishy is going on here. Like, super crazy. Um, in the midst of all of this, there's like a, a funeral held for Timothy. Right. Ronald has this like heartfelt speech and it's just this heartbroken father. Turns out that Ronald Clark O'Brien 
uh, was over $100,000 in debt. Um, so the one source I had that actually said, so it in like 2020, $2021, that's like $550,000 um, in debt and was really kind of known for not being able to hold down a job. Okay. Like he was just very kind of all over the place. Um, so he actually ended up Buying over the course insurance. of him being in. Yeah. Yeah. So he, over the course of the investigation and ends up getting arrested on suspicion um, is he had like defaulted on several bank loans, all that kind of stuff. So he had taken out on January of that year. So like way in the beginning had taken out a $10,000 life insurance policy on both of his children. <laughs> there you go. Now remember he handed out pixie sticks to everybody. Right. So both Timothy and his daughter, Elizabeth, Timothy just happened to be the only one who wanted to eat right. a pixie yeah, stick. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so one month before the death, before Timothy's death, he also took out additional $2,000 policies on both children, despite objections from his life insurance like agency. That's really weird. Yep. And then days before Timothy died, he, ta- he had taken out yet another $20,000 policy on each child. So that's wow. now like, so it's ten thousand, um, t- so twenty four, like fifty grand for each kid. Yeah, he's now taken out, but so he's taken out separate policies. Um, his wife, um, Danine or whatever Danine, um, said she had no idea. She had no idea that he had that's taken out these life insurance fair. policies. Um, and then police would find out as they investigated more that O'Brien had called, like literally the morning after Timothy died, O'Brien had um, called to inquire about the policies collect- and how to collect right, them. collecting and claiming. His son is barely hours dead. And yeah. he's like, hi, so when do I get like my $50,000? Yep. Are you kidding? Um, and then they also, as they obviously inv- investigate more of his comings and goings, he had visited a chemical supply store in Houston to buy cyanide shortly before Halloween. LOL. Yep. He had left without purchasing anything because the, like the smallest amount available was like five pounds, which is a lot of fucking cyanide <laughs> you just have lying around. Yeah. It's a little bit, a little bit uh, too suspicious, I think. Yeah. So basically they're like, um, so we think you are really friggin' shady and that you Clearly. wanted to kill your children with cyanide Clearly. so you can get some money. Um, and then basically they figured that he dosed all of them so that it would like kind of deflect suspicion off of him if all of these other kids that he didn't have life insurance policies on just all died. Right. Um, O'Brien maintained his innocence all throughout his trial. L. Um, and even on, so there's like these old um, like interviews and stuff that they talk about in the documentary uh, of him just being like, no, I never, like I would never hurt my child. There's still a man out there that poisoned my son, that killed my son. What a good lawyer he had. Holy shit. Like he just, well, he ended up, so he ended up getting convicted and he ended up on death row. So he was executed. He died on, um, he, by the state because in Texas at the time it was, you know, he was still able to be, it was death penalty case because they're like, you murdered your child for money. Yes, yes, Like how disgusting. And you also put however many other children's lives in danger. Um, So he was executed um, in March of 84. Right. Do you know if the claim for his life, the life insurance policy was absolutely um, not approved? No, no, because nothing had gone through while the police were still investigating. That's fair because you can't yeah. if there's an investigation specifically on the life yeah. of a person. Yeah, policy. Um, Deneen divorced him um, in 1975, so probably not long after he got arrested, she was like, um, "Fuck you! You killed my child, right? Probably, yeah, and you endangered my other child, a bunch of other people. You're disgusting. That's true because yeah. you couldn't be bothered to like." All of that that's stuff. That's so. I. That's the fucking funniest thing. I, I. Right away, I was like, I. I have a feeling. I was like, he definitely took out life insurance policies yep. because. Yep. It's and that's the worst part about like that business. It's like that people try to do that in a much more like, not, like serious way. But like, yeah. there's that's why for for anybody who doesn't know, like life insurance claims are extremely strict. They like, don't want to pay the money you, if they don't have to. Exactly. And so if you ever get life insurance, if you're getting life insurance just for the safety of yourself, like you're wasting your money. It's no. pretty silly. But if you're getting them like a whole life insurance, like you have to un- really understand the the fine print yeah. of what yeah. co- a co- like what consummates 
Yeah. You're you getting the claim or who you're your yeah. sorry, your beneficiary getting And like claim. I've never it heard of a parent so like tight. I've I've heard of parents being like, Oh, we're gonna take out life insurance policies on ourselves or each other so that if something happens, you and then our children together will have something it's, when yeah, I go. That's, that's basically I how have you do it. never heard of someone taking out a life insurance policy on their child on their child. Yeah. Like he Well no, you do. You get your life insurance policy for your child. I've never heard of that before. Yeah, you. So what happens? Well, you should. I mean, I don't know because I just I don't think know, it's suspicious I don't know that like get, I don't know if there are all the details are there. But you, what you typically do, I don't know if you should get. You don't get your life insurance policy for just your child. I don't even think you can do that. What you mm-hmm. do is you get life insurance for yourself as a primary, yeah, um, insured, and then you mm-hmm. get for your children. Yeah. You get um dependent policies yeah and it's like cents to the dollar it's okay. super super no super so cheap. the impression i got from well it's like dollars now so but the, so the impression i got from the sources i read and then from what i remember of the documentary as well um is it didn't really mention anything about policies on him and or, or his wife it was like he just took it out on his kids right that's why I, so like that's automatically a red flag but what scummy. kills me too is this man pours this pixie stick into his son's mouth like he's the one who like, are you kidding me? And then you have the audacity to cry for him. Stapled shut. And then you also have the audacity to just wander around the neighborhood with the police going, I really don't know. I'm not sure. Oh, wait. That looks like the house. Third Some time. random third, fucking third guy. Charm. Yeah. Like, can't That's even. Funny. Oh, my God. It just, it like, it blew my mind. I just remember sitting there going, what kind of monster does this yeah and then and then of course i was thinking in my head i'm like no wonder people are so paranoid about their children though because think about the hysteria that would have happened right afterwards because at first you're not going to automatically assume that this man's just blatantly and again too they were like there was other people around at the time when he gave timothy the pixie stick so like how bold are you to just be like yeah in full view of everyone being like yep here timmy have some uh candy laced with some cyanide like So, of course, no one's going to assume that the father did it. So, everyone's worried that there's some maniac in their neighborhood who's like, I'm going to murder children. If he had had a better plan, it probably could have worked out for him. But I think – because I think, like, the buying the life insurance policies that soon is pretty – already sus to me. And then choosing a random house, not really knowing the house – that's already sus. And then the going yeah. to the chemical shop, even though you didn't buy something, that's always like super, super but sus. But still, like so you've inquired like, about it, yeah, right? It's just and like, like you, don't have, you don't have an alibi, but the people that you pick out do. It's like with the right planning, you probably yeah. could have picked somebody. Well, what kills me is that suspicion. he – okay, so he gets the first policy in January and then is like, no, I need more. So then a few months after that, gets another one and he's like, no, I'm getting closer now. He's probably already decided that he's well, going to he might not. He might have had other plans. Either way, but then it's like days before where he's probably already now decided I'm gonna yeah. poison my kid. And that's why he goes, goes. Oh, yeah, I want another twenty thousand dollars on my he kid. Goes, this one makes sense. He's like, this is the way I can do it, and I'll get away with it. Quote unquote, get away. Quote with unquote, it. get away with it. But you're actually a dumbass and an absolutely Taste evil, before. wretched person of a. I love how creature. his advisor also says d- advises not to do that. Yeah, his agency's like, what are you doing? Yeah. Like, no. Stupid. So yeah, that is Ronald Clark O'Brien. Candyman, uh, very much. Trick also and known not as treat. the man who killed Halloween. Oh, yeah, because everybody in in that town was like, "What? The, like, no, we yeah, don't want to celebrate Halloween now." Yeah, because you're a monster. Until he died. Um. So yeah, it it like super cray, super cray. Pretty, he got pretty creepy. Yeah, but it just it kind of like hit me. That, I was though. like, damn, like no wonder this you know urban legend is still so prevalent because we have real life cases like that where people try and take an advantage of the the sense of on um anonymity when it comes to just like trick-or-treating around a neighborhood yeah. you don't always know everybody it's that's a, a very good point um that's also why parents to this day are always so scared because mm-hmm. you never know yep you're literally every single house like if you're in a big a big town or whatever small town even yeah every single house you go to you have to have you have to at your yeah. own point yeah trust that person and so that's why like you know if i were to ever do it like it's like you go to every single house it's like you're looking at who's answering that door you know what yeah. i mean but you also you, can never know you can you, never you be never too know. careful you never and know because again scary. you would almost think that someone would be a little bit like you know very like normal but enthusiastic and seem like a very safe home but they're only doing that to cover it up um i yeah. think it also speaks to the idea of especially during this time as, as funny as it is but uh, not funny, I guess ironic, um, is the idea of like stranger danger and like the missing kids right. on the on the milk cartons starts really becoming a thing 
as we get as you get closer to the 80s and end of the 70s right um but realistically statistically when it comes to crimes is you are still so much more likely to be victimized by someone you know yeah and someone who's close to you if, yeah. if anything rather than just a random acquaintance right um let alone a com- complete stranger but i think and i think that's where also this urban legend feeds into the idea of you know the strangers that are out there, you have no idea what they're up to, but it's like you also could have no idea what someone who you're living with is up to and, and could end up making you a victim of a crime. Yep. Um, so I just think that that was a very interesting parallel of, of that idea as well, considering the time frame that it occurred in. Yeah. No, definitely. And that um, just occurred good, to me. So. A, good, a good story to tell, uh, very aligned with um, sort of what you were talking about yeah. in the first place with you know the spook factor and the treats and, and all the traditions that came from all the yeah. different Celtic lore. Um, Absolutely. Thank you for doing that. Thank you for very, letting me do very that. Very on theme. I love I love rabbit holes. I love when the theme like that. Mm-hmm. Um, this was a, a one right up your alley, and yeah. I think you obviously went hard for it. So. It's a, it was really interesting to because at first I didn't even like realize I was gonna do half of what I did. Right. Um, especially the like the Candyman case. I I it, as I was kind of looking up stuff for Halloween, I was like, oh my god. Why don't I cover this? I think you just realized like there wasn't a whole lot to talk about. There well, was. There's only there's only like so much that you can talk about exactly. origins as well. And then I was like, hey, I want to touch a little bit on the industry. And I was like, no, but I want a bit more of the like the the other stuff that kind of gets people a little more creeped out. And I was like, well, why don't I try and find a true yeah, crime case? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I was literally like, true crime, true crime on Halloween. And I went, oh my god, I haven't seen this movie in like a year. The documentary, mm-hmm. um, maybe even longer than that, and it just it popped into my brain because again, it made such an impression. That's awesome. Yeah. Ish. So, killer legends. If yeah. if you're into if you're into like creepy stuff, if you're into kind of like true crime cases, inspiring you know stories in the world around us, um, definitely take a look for it. Um, Josh and Rachel do a really great job cool. putting these cases together and. Really kind of laying everything out and still trying to be as respectful and like honorific towards the victims right. of the crimes as possible. That's good. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Again. Well, no, great story. Uh great episode overall. Thank you, um, thank you. Killing killing the rabbit holes. So, anyways, guys, that'll do it for this week's fun episode. Um, uh, I think yeah, we yeah. have some more Halloween stuff coming. We do. Um, one one more episode, I think, one more episode before it's officially out of done of October. Um, so look forward to next week, guys. Um, this, this beer has just been, mine's almost done. You've been talking so much. I know I haven't been able to, but I'm still about halfway through, which is impressive considering how much I've been talking. I would would agree. Um, thank you guys for listening to this week's episode. We will catch you guys next week. Peace.